Hey friends, we're so glad that you've chosen to tune into this podcast from Revival Fires today. We pray that this message brings you closer to Jesus. We'd love to host you at our regular Sunday morning meetings, 10.30 a.m. in Dudley. Also check out our website for our upcoming events. Our next gathering is Advance on the 23rd and the 24th of September. We have special guests Lily and Abe DeFin, Kent Maddox and Trevor Baker. We look forward to welcoming you to our next event. All right, here we go. Here is the message. Your present situation is comprised of the choices of your past. Let me say that again. Your present situation, the things that we're facing right now, is comprised of the choices of your past. So I want your, your church to know, I want you, you to tell the people that they have got an opportunity today to make a faith forecast for their future. There are things that we're going to come up and we're going to face. And God wants you to know that we can face it with faith today. Why don't you turn with me? We're going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let's start in verse 8. Uh, verse 7. Why not? Because we started there already this morning. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that this surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death isn't at work in us, but life is at work in you. And here, verse 13, this is where we're really going to focus this morning. But having the same spirit of faith. Some translations uh, accurately say that having the same spirit-given faith. According to what is written, I believed, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and present us with you. For all things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading more and more, people may cause the giving of thanks to abide, abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I love that. Therefore, let's say it together. We do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We have to fix our eyes at the things that are not seen. Another Later on, Paul says, we walk not by faith, but we walk by sight. And that line there where he writes, quoting straight from Psalm 116, I believed, therefore I spoke. I want you to know that there are things that we can set up. There is a seed that can go down in our lives today, a seed of belief that can cause us to speak in a certain way. There is a seed of faith that can go down into our future right now so that when we come to what we're facing, we've already put the future into motion. Does that make sense? That's what I believe God wants us to do. He says there is a forecast of faith for my people. It doesn't matter what you're facing. And I want to just share a testimony. You know, one of the biggest things, there's, there's so many things that we're facing. I've heard many of the situations and the circumstances that are facing so many of us, whether it's relationships, whether it's needing to see breakthrough in finances, whether it's job situations, and how amazing Julie and Asha about that job testimony. We're so uh, grateful to the Lord for the way that He brings breakthrough. That's what He does. Whether it's healing, to see things shifted and changed in our health, there is faith that we can put into the ground today that will reap a harvest. And I believe even as we prepare for what's coming up in the September conference. But I, I just felt to, sh to share with you this testimony. Because here's the way faith works. Yes, it's spirit given. But God uses the people around us to put those seeds in our lives. I was a 15-year-old boy 
in Zimbabwe, and I heard a message. I remember the guy's name. I can even tell you the title of the message. His name was Dan Izzet. He was a traveling speaker. So it's such a good thing when we get to travel and we get to go to places and to speak the word. And he came into the church and he said, I'm speaking today a message on faithful finances. Now, I won't tell you uh, 15 years when I was 15 years old, I don't know how long ago it was. It was a long, long time ago. The internet was just getting a big thing, right? So he used uh, this, this title to make the sermon really, really catchy. He said, my sermon today is www.fff.com. And it stuck with me my whole life. www.fff, faith for finances. And he simply was talking about how we can sow a seed and how important it is to tithe and how important it is to honor God with our first fruits and how important it is that when the Lord blesses us, we bless him back. And he was just talking about tithing, things that we as a church believe, things that we've spoken about so many times, things that I know you as a church understand. And it's one of the things that we go through when we're going to do Engage in a couple of Saturdays time, which is going to be amazing. But here's, here's what it did. It put a seed in my life of truth, right? I believe, therefore I spoke. But here's the thing. Faith wasn't proved until it was tested. I was 15 years old. I didn't have an income. I didn't have children to pay for. I didn't know some of the things that was facing, for example, my parents or facing me right now where my faith had to take root, but there was a seed in me and I believed it. You see, I believed, therefore I spoke. And what happened was that faith has to be proved and faith is proved in our lives by a couple of ways. The first one is through, is through difficulties. The second way that faith is proved is through blessings. What? Blessings. We all, we all want faith to be blessed, don't we? But sometimes it's the blessings itself that God gives to us in order to prove the faith that he's put within us. And a couple of years later, I had my first job. It was, a, it was just a stock check job at my granddad's uh, hardware store. And he, he paid me at the end of the summer holiday. And I was like, this is amazing. I've got my, my first paycheck, real cash. And that's when the seed that was planted from a message, www.fff.com, in me started to spring up because it was being proved. What was it being proved by? Blessing. I was blessed with my first paycheck. We had... Um, I was so thrilled this morning, and our two girls came up and gave their first tithe this morning. It was just so wonderful to see as a father, as parents. Someone um, gave them a, a gift this week, and we said, here we go, it's a gift, and we've never asked them to tithe on the money that we've given them. I don't know, maybe we should have done this earlier, Anna. Anyway, and so, we, so Anna said, I, would, I was no part of this. This was all you, Anna. Good job. She said, so guys, what I want to encourage you is to tithe, and they, they figured out their 10%. The maths was correct, although Lissy tried to give one pound fifty. And it was such a blessing. And so, roll back to me, I had my first job and I was, came to a point where faith was proved. And do you know what I did? I joyfully and, grac and gratefully went and gave my first ever tithe. And what happened from that moment is that God set up in my life a system where that seed of faith grew into a tree. And I know in every season and everything that I'm facing, I can trust God. There was moments of difficulties then that I faced. The first time um, we, when Anna and I got married, we had to buy our first house. We had to find a number of thousand pounds for a deposit. Anna was studying. I had just started working for the church. And we needed money. And we were asking and we were praying and we were believing. And do you know what God did? He came through for us. We had three um, donations of thousands of pounds each just at the right moment before we had to get our house. And in that, that was a difficult time. That was a time of proving our faith through difficulty. There were other times of testings. One of the things that um, when I first moved to England, I, I won a bursary to study. And like I said, I only had one job before that. And here I am, an 18-year-old young man wearing really, really baggy clothes. I loved, oh man, I felt so good in those clothes. Have you noticed how the baggy style's coming back? 
I should have kept all those clothes. It would have saved me so much money. Let me give you guys some more advice. Just like Parenting 101 today. Save your clothes for your kids. <laughs> I'm going to have to start shedding these skinny jeans. But anyway, um, so I, I, had, I was 18. I moved to England. I, I was given a bursary. I was given 6,000 pounds a year for three years. Let me tell you, that's a huge blessing. But let me tell you, if you haven't been faithful with little, a big blessing can become a testing. Because all of a sudden, what was, we, I've joked already, 20 pound gift, 2 pound offering, that's great. All of a sudden, the seed that was planted in my heart when I was 15 from www.fff.com sprung up and said, Ryan, 10%. And when you're an 18-year-old who's just moved countries and living by yourself in another country and you work out, okay, 10%, I can do this. I, be I believe, therefore I spoke. I know that there's a pattern God's putting in my life of faith. And then you sort of calculate it. 10% of 6,000. You know, the, the wheels go around and you realize, oh my goodness, that's 600 pounds. And then you start thinking, man, that's a whole lot of baggy trousers. I tell you what, at that time, that was a whole new acoustic guitar. And I'm like, Jesus, acoustic guitar or the seed of faith. And I chose well. I chose well. Of course I tithed. And God, <laughs> yeah, I need to finish the story for, for you, don't I? I tithed, okay, I tithed. I mean, here's what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, what faith does and what I believe God is offering to us today is the opportunity to review our choices. Because I had already made the choice to tithe before I faced the difficulty. Okay, you with me? I already made the choice to tithe before I faced the blessing. The choice was there because a seed of faith had gone in my heart and I said, Lord, this is the way I want to live my life. Then when I came to face the decision... There wasn't so much conflict because I knew what God wanted from me. Does that make sense? I want to speak out to everyone here. Is This is a message for you. There are things that we are coming up against. But I want you to know God is putting a seed of faith in your heart today. So that when you come to face those decisions, there's not going to be conflict. Because you know that you know that you know that God is giving you faith. He is putting in our hearts a seed right now so that he is setting us up for what we're facing. We had a wonderful uh, lunch on Sunday. A couple of friends from the church, we took them out to a restaurant. Normally, it was a good restaurant. Normally, you know, when you take friends, you want to kind of like take them to your favorite places, don't you? You want to, oh, we love this. You need to try that meal. You need to do that. And we took them out. And I don't know what it was, but the service was really, really slow. And the waitress must have come to us three or four times and confirmed the order with us. She said, are you sure that's what you want? Yes, I want this, that, and the other. Great. She comes back. I just want to confirm, is that what you, you're having for your meal? And I said, yeah, that's great. And she came back a third time and confirmed. So just making sure you really have got no allergies and all this kind of stuff. There was this confirming. And I found it. We had a great time. Fantastic conversation. The food was good. It was good. And I got home that night, and this is what the Lord said to me. Ryan, what happened there was a picture of what I want to show my people. We're in a season right now where we have the opportunity, the grace to review and to renew our faith. Because there are decisions that we're going to be facing that I want you to make with faith. Just like when we're ordering food. I don't see it. I just read it. I read it on the, on the menu, and oh, that sounds nice. I don't know what it's going to look like, but that's what I wanted to get, and I speak it out. There are things that God wants you to, that you, you, don't, you might not even know, it, friends, right now, but there are things that you are putting in place for your future that might not be what God wants for your life. There are things that you're putting in faith for your future that might have a seed of doubt in it. And God's saying, come, come aside, my, my children. I want you to review what you're saying. I want you to review what you're believing. I want to renew faith within you because what's coming in the future, you're going to need it. But I've got it in abundance for you. The Bible said, this verse I read in 2 Corinthians 4, spirit-given faith. This isn't even a faith that I have to work up and stir up. This is the faith that God is giving you. And there is a, a grace right now to review your order. So I, are you ready for me? Let's have a bit of fun this morning.
So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn this into the God's restaurant this morning. Have you feasted at his table of goodness already? Yeah. See, um, I'm going to be a waiter. So this is my... I've never seen a waiter use the cloth. But a posh restaurant, you know, they all have it. So here we go. We're in a gracious period as we prepare to advance at Tabernacles to review our decisions today to define our future. Let's review and renew them with faith. So I'm a waiter, okay? And I'm, I, you come into my restaurant. And I say, welcome to the restaurant today. What can I get you? And you might say, well, I'm going to speak to you guys, okay? Jude, you're looking good today. There is no condemnation on you, but I'm looking at you. Well, the forecast is looking pretty grim. Prices are rising. Living is, is expensive. We don't know what the future holds. And the waiter says, ah, yes, but let me tell you, the master chef is in the kitchen today. He can turn things around. With just a few ingredients, he can make a masterpiece. The other day, you should have seen what he did with Brussels sprouts. <laughs> a little bit of bacon goes a long way. He takes your lemons and he turns them into lemonade. The master chef is in the kitchen. And something's like, oh, well, um, that's great. But, you know, I've had a real tough day. The traffic was bad getting here. My boss, he really had it in for me. And just things... Things aren't really working today. It's like everything is against me. And the waiter says, and they do this, don't they? The waiters. They always try and get you to buy the biggest, best thing, don't they? Normally the most expensive thing. But there's a waiter from heaven called the Holy Spirit and the angels. You know, it says in Psalm 103 that the angels are God's mighty ones who do his bidding. There's angels coming to strengthen us today to help us make wise choices, to help us get set up for what's going to happen in the future. When we come to advance, we're going to advance. And the waiter says, oh, yeah, that's true. But, but let me, let me re remind you, the name of this restaurant is Psalm 23. Because he prepares a table before you. You might be facing difficult things in the future. I know, I know. But this is, you've come to the right place because there's a table prepared for you. And you can say, oh, that's great. But um, I just want something simple. I've got, to, I've got to watch the budget. You know, I can't really afford that right now. And the waiter would say, oh, that's good news. Because what I forgot to tell you is it's happy hour today. In fact, every hour is happy hour in heaven. What's more, the guy sitting over there, Joe, Jehovah Jireh, his real name is Jesus Christ. He's paid for everything. Whatever you want on the menu. You see, that's the thing sometimes. Ryan, you're saying, I have a choice right now to put faith in action as a seed for when I come to face whatever's facing me in the future. But I, I can't see how that's possible. I want you to know it's because Jesus Christ has provided for you. It's because Jesus Christ has paid the price. Jesus Christ has paid the price upon the cross. Jesus Christ is preparing a table for you no matter what you think you might face where it's all going to work out. In fact, if you can just, if you can just um, name the meal, he'll make it. If you can believe it, you can receive it. And then uh, the diner might say, oh, that's great, but you know my relationships, they're, they're a mess. I'm struggling to connect with people. I've made some mistakes. I just find it hard to imagine how things could be. Maybe you could help me. Can I have a look at the menu? Have you been to restaurants like that? They go and sit down and there's, there's no menu on the table. It happens all the time to me anyway. And they're like, you know, this is an Italian restaurant. Just order something Italian, you know. Can I have the menu, please? So you might say, okay, great. Well, show me the menu. And I want you to know today, church, that this is the menu right here. Here's the menu. You want the menu? You want to feast on something no matter what you might be worried or concerned about what you're facing? Here's the menu. Do you want hope for the future? Here's the menu. Do you want strength for the future? Here's the menu. Do you want breakthrough for relationships? It's all here. It's all here in the Word of God. This is what He's given us to feast upon. You know, it talks about the seen and the unseen realm. So many times I've feasted on the crumbs, the dry, crummy bread of the temporal, on what the world has to offer. You turn on the TV these days, and you see what the world has to offer. It's not hopeful, is it? 
You can talk to friends, maybe family, maybe even Christians, and you can think, wow, what does the world have to offer? I want you to know you do not have to eat the dry, crusty bread of the world's forecasts. Heaven has got a new forecast for you. Heaven has got a forecast of faith for you. Heaven wants us to make choices today. He says, come to the, to the table. Come and eat the living bread. Here's the menu. Do you need faith for tomorrow? There's the menu. Do you need something to see situations turned around? There's the menu. In fact, he says, taste and see. That's why this morning, you couldn't have planned what God's already doing amongst us this morning. This isn't me just preaching to you, friends. This is us as a family drawing strength together. You see, what God did in worship is he let us taste something of his presence are you dry? Are you, do you feel like you're an earthen vessel that might need filling up? Come and taste. So often when we look at a menu, we think, oh, those words sound really good. But what does it taste like? I want to see it. And we want to see things before we commit to it. But heaven says this to you today. Taste and see. God is so good. He gives us a foretaste of what he wants to put in our lives. It's like some of those little taster things that, that move around um, at markets. You ever been to a market and you walk past a stall, maybe it's a cheese stall, and you think, oh, that's, they look interesting. I don't know what those names of cheeses are. And because we don't know what it is, we're not going to buy it, aren't we? Until someone comes out with a cloth on their hand like this and says, would you like a taster? Normally like a little toothpick. You know what I'm talking about? A little toothpick with some food. You think, okay, is it free? <laughs> Let's be honest, right? And we, you take, have a taste. And normally what happens, most of the time I've noticed this, if I've tasted it, I buy it. And it's not guilt. I'm not guilt motivated. I really couldn't care less. I tell my children, sometimes they get quite embarrassed by, by me, I think, at those kind of things. I say, don't worry, they'll never see me again. <laughs> it's not like I walk around with my name on my shirt and my, my phone number on the back, you know. They can make some complaints. They're never going to see me again, so it's not guilt-motivated. But I've tasted it, and I think, I really like that. I'm going to commit to that. This morning, Jesus is, give, is even what he's done in his presence. is He's given us a taster. He's giving you a taster. He wants you to know that there's a different forecast ahead. He wants you to know that there's faith for you for whatever you're facing ahead. Later on, we're going to even share communion together. One of the most amazing tables that was prepared for us by the love of Jesus Christ. And at that table, we get to taste and feast. We get to eat on his body, which is the, represented by the bread, and the blood of the covenant, which is represented by the wine. And we get a taste, a foretaste, right now, in the midst of what we're going through, of how good he is, of how much hope he has for us, how much faith he has for us. Sometimes we want to see before we enter in, but God wants you to eat it so that you can see it. That's got heaven's order. So often we say, let me see it so I can taste it. God says, no, taste it and then you'll see it. We, we want to see things shifting in our future. We want to see things shifting. And God says, no, taste of my faith right now first. And then you'll see things shifting in what's coming up. Do you get, do you get that order? Let's feast on him this morning, church. Let's feast on the seeds that he's bringing out of heaven of faith that come into our lives. But sometimes this is what we still do. I know I'm looking at you, Jude. It's, it's not about you, Jude. <laughs> Great worship this morning, by the way. Okay, well, I'll have the main course of misery with a side plate of suffering. Portion of poverty and a beverage of bitterness, please. So the waiter goes over to the other side. Another diner's just come in. Come on, James, I'll look at you. You got the GPS sweater on this morning. You've, you've marked yourself out. And he tells this person everything else. This is the house of God. This is the menu. This is what you can eat. And he says, well, I'll have the fish starter of faith, please. The steak of substantial blessing. The side plate of provision and the wine of wisdom. And the waiter says, that's a good choice. You've been in a restaurant when the waiter says that's a good choice? Doesn't it make you feel good? You're like, man, I chose well. That's a good choice. You see, God wants us to make good choices. He wants us to help us with the decisions that we're facing. 
And if we wait until we get to it, if we wait, if it's financial difficulty, if you wait until we get to it to think, what am I going to do? We're going to make bad choices. God wants to put faith in us right now. If we wait till we get to it, whether it's relationships that we're facing, we're going to make bad choices. But this is what heaven does. This is what heaven's doing at the moment. You made a good choice, but heaven's coming over here. And it's saying, and I'm not picking on you, Jude. I'm going to pick to this, this person here next to her. Okay? Because it's not about you. And says, would you like to review your order? Would you like to change what you've ordered? And what happens at that very moment is the kitchen door swing open. And out comes this tray of food that this person over here has ordered. Steak of substantial blessing. Fish starter of faith. Portion of provision. The wine of wisdom. And what happens when we see the waiters walking around with some food in the kitchen sometimes? It's like at that point, I don't need to read the menu. I'll have what he's having, right? I'll have what he's having. Let's say that today. I will have what you are giving us, Jesus. I will have what's coming out of the kitchen of heaven. Because what's coming out of heaven for us in this season is way more faithful, way more uh, fruitful than what the world has to offer us. There are things coming out the kitchen, and I want to say, God, give me eyes to see what you are doing. This is not going to be what the world says it's going to be. Yes, these are going to be difficult times, but in the midst of difficult times, Jesus, I want a seed of faith to go down in my life that I face and things turn around. Just as I'm in preaching, I was reminded about um, Isaac. Isaac was in another land. He was one of the, the three patriarchs. And in the time of famine, he sowed a seed. And the Bible says this, he reaped a hundredfold. How do you reap a hundredfold in a time of famine? I tell you how. You have a seed of faith. Your seed that you plant is not the same seed that other people are planting. Your seed that you plant isn't based on the world, that's the system and the economy and the pattern that's going on around you. The seed that you plant is a seed from heaven. And when we have a seed of faith planted in us, we can seed a different future. So heaven says, church, heaven says, children, heaven says, family, do you want to review your faith? Do you want to review your order? What are the things that you're speaking out? What are the things that you're planning for the future? Is it in limitation? Is it in, are you cursing it even before it's come across? Because I want you to know that there is faith in abundance for what you're facing. What's coming out of the kitchen in the season is going to blow you away. It's not about what you're facing on earth. It's what heaven has to offer. I'll put this down now. Give God praise for what he's speaking. That's what he's saying to us. The world has been bankrupt. We can't afford to be bankrupt of faith. The world's basing things on affordability. We cannot afford to live without faith, friends. That's what we're doing. We say, Lord, put that seed deep within us. Even as I'm speaking, I believe God is going to do that. He's beginning to shape and form and shift this season is not going to be marked by what we see other people saying it. It's going to be marked by what God wants to say about it. What is God, what are you going to see in this season ahead? Because this is what we believe right now. What we believe we speak, what we speak we will see established. Oh man, I, I haven't got that written down right now, but there's a, a wonderful saying by Ralph uh, Waldo Emerson. If you sow a thought... You reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap a character. If you sow a character, you reap a destiny. He's quoting the truth, the pattern of heaven in the Bible. That's what he's doing. He's putting it in such a way where we can sow today something for our future. So fix your eyes with faith. Let me, let me just spend the rest of this morning talking a little bit about how do we fix our eyes. 2 Corinthians for when it says this, while we look not, while we fix our eyes on the things that are seen, but we look at the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen, they are eternal. And there's a word there that's used a couple of times in the Bible. And I want to just bring out the few times that it's used because it gives us such uh, insight into how we fix our eyes. How do we keep our focus? If God wants to seed our lives with faith, how do we do that? And the first is this. Jesus says this in Luke 11 verse 35. 
The eye is the lamp of your body. If it is clear, your whole body is full of light. Watch that the light is not darkness. The first way we fix our eyes is we have to look for the light. There is darkness around us, and there is also light around us. The more we focus on the darkness, guess what we're going to start to see? The more we focus on the light, guess what we're going to start to see? They're both out there, and heaven is saying, what is your choice going to be? You see, we can stand today and say, Jesus, I choose. Whatever comes my way, I choose to look for the light. I find it really interesting. When you're driving, this is streaming live, isn't it? I better be careful with what I say. I find it very interesting when I'm driving. Anna is, is not a backseat driver, but she does keep us safe, which is wonderful. And, and if I'm driving around, and, and I'll tell you a bit about me, I really love wildlife, okay? So it sounds a bit weird when I say I love watching birds, but they're birds. I love wildlife. Okay, I, I find nature fascinating. We could be driving around the road on holiday and there's a bird flying in the sky. And I, I, I want to identify it. I want to see what it is. I'm looking to, to capture it with my vision. And what happens is wherever you start to look, you start to go in that direction. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed the things you fix your eyes on begin to create the pathway of your direction? And Anna gracefully, Ryan, look at the road. <laughs> she saved our lives. It's happened a few times. It even happens when we're walking, doesn't it? You know, we could be walking down a lovely path and something gets your attention. And as you start to look at, you know, you just start to veer off, veer towards it. That's, that's how we're actually made to function. What we fo- fix our focus on begins to direct our lives. Let me tell you, as Jesus said, if we are fixing our focus on darkness, guess what we're going to see around us? We're going to start to see darkness. If we're fixing our focus on the negative things, we're going to find ourselves veering off the path that God has for you in this season because He has a path for you. It's a path to do you good. It's a path to prosper you. He's got a future and a destiny for you. And you find yourself coming off. And without even realizing it, you might get home that day and and all of a sudden, out your mouth comes all the negative things that you've heard. All the, man, life is just so heavy and I don't know what we're going to do and and and. Your family, your friend, maybe it's someone you live in, you don't live with someone and it's your friend on the phone. She says, hold on, what happened to you? What's going on? And you realize, I'm not fixing my eyes on the place I need to fix. Let's look for the light. We travel in that direction. Sometimes we need help with our focus though. To focus the eyes, we actually use muscles. The lenses of our eyes have muscles that adjust in order to help us focus at different depths. It's not something that happens without effort, but we don't always feel it because we're not aware of it until something goes wrong and we need glasses. And the glasses, they help us with the focus. We have to exercise muscle. There's some muscle that we need to exercise to shift our focus. There's some things that need to be changed. And I believe God wants to give some of us, even today, new glasses. He wants to give us lenses of faith. Because there's a seed of the word that's going down in you today. I want to just say this as well. He's going to give some of you night vision. Do you need night vision? God, give us night vision. I, we don't want tunnel vision. We don't want to see what has been around us, what the world is throwing at us. But Lord, give us night vision. Because there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And that light, actually, we realize it's what we carry. You are the light in the tunnel. You are the light of Jesus walking around on the world around us. So God, give us that night vision. The second one is this. Romans 16, 7 says this. Watch out. It's that same word, watch which means um, consider, it means contemplate, it means look at, regard, take heed, it means beware as well. And Romans 16 says, watch out, look out for divisions, obstacles, and teachings contrary to what you learned. Turn away from them. Next week, I'm going to speak on some of those things, some of those divisions that get in the way. You know, one of the biggest dividing things that gets in our way is anxiety. And worry. The word anxiety actually means to be torn in two different opposing directions. 
God wants to remove some of those difficulties. He wants to remove some of the anxieties and the worries. But for to this morning, I want to focus on this. Paul says, observe them, but then turn away from them. We've already had a what offering was it this morning? We've already had a turning around offering. Again, God is letting us taste this morning. He's letting us taste and see His goodness. And here's the thing about turning. We get the choice to become either better through what we face or to become bitter by what we face. Vinegar and wine have the same ingredients. Vinegar is made of grape juice, basically. And wine is made of grape juice. One is delicious and tasty and carries a lot of value. The other thing is sour and sharp and acidic. It's the same ingredients. What's different between the two? Let me tell you, it's the process. There are things that we go through in our daily life that we have the choice to say, are we going to become bitter through it or are we going to become better through it? And the only thing that, the only way that that happens is by allowing God to turn us. You see, when they're fermenting, wine is turned by the master winemaker, Father God. And as the wine is fermenting, it's turned and it's, it's given attention. But vinegar is left. And what happens is the sugar turns into acid. And there's things that have gone that we've gone through. We've all gone through things in our life. Sometimes we think, God, why do I have to face these things? But remember what I said at the beginning. Because God proves our faith by blessing and by difficulty. They're both there. And sometimes we go through things and we think, why am I going through this? And God says, allow me to turn you because I'm making you into a fine vintage. Allow me to turn you because I'm making you better. But sometimes when we become hard in our heart or when we become short-sighted or when we've looked at the wrong things and it's taken us astray, we don't allow God to turn us. And what happens in that is we begin to become bitter. Bitterness will take you away from what God's got for you in this season. Lord, would you turn us? Lord, would you continue to turn us? Turning also is about repentance and forgiveness. Anna spoke a great word uh, last week. Wasn't it great about the weight of our words? About having uh, things broken off of our lives. Not having to live carrying along that bag of of heavy um, bitterness. Pardon? Weights, yeah. Just the words that we say, the unforgiveness, those kind of things. But here's the thing about about repentance too. The full power of forgiveness is not just to forgive forgive us of our sins, but it's to put us into God's righteousness. Does that make sense? So often we, we believe in forgiveness. Lord, I've turned from my sin. Would you forgive me? And we feel we like we know that. The sin has been removed from us, but we still feel like we're the same person. Let me tell you, that's not the full turning. The full turning that God wants you to know that he's done it because he died on the cross. He purchased it for you. Is that when you have forgiveness of sins, it's not just like you were the same person, but without the sin, you're a whole new person. When Christ looks at you, he doesn't just see the same person without the sin. He sees the righteousness of God. Forgiveness and turning is so powerful. Don't just think I'm going to turn away from that halfway. Turn away the full way because God has got so much for us, so much uh, life and goodness. Here's the third one. In Galatians 6, Paul says this, Restore a brother, but watch that you do not fall into the same temptation. There are temptations along the path, even as we prepare for this season. And I'll tell you why. One of Satan's tactics is if he, can, is he wants to make what is temporal look tempting. That's one of the tactics that we go through. He wants to make the things that are temporal look temp- tempting. And temptations, it tries to steal our focus and our gaze. You know, Jesus was tempted by the enemy. And he was 40 days in the wilderness. God's people were also tempted by the enemy, but they failed that temptation. They failed uh, their journey, which should have taken, this is amazing, it should have taken them 40 days to get from Egypt 
into the promised land, but because they didn't allow God to turn them, because they didn't, they were still forming in them the faith that when they came up against the circumstances, they didn't make the right choice. They made the wrong choice, and they, God had to keep them in the wilderness for 40 years while he was getting Egypt out of them. You heard preachers say that. I love it. God can take his people out of Egypt in a day, but it took 40 years to take Egypt out of his people because they didn't allow him to do it quickly. But thank God for Jesus Christ who came and reset the cycle. And what he was 40 days in obedience through the tempting so that we can step into that life. And let me tell you why he was obedient. Because he said this, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the Father. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we, we can feast at the table of the word of Jesus Christ every day. Like I said, this is the menu. But he is the living bread. And Jesus said this too, I am the bread of life. If any man, let me get it right. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And I want to just, just draw a couple of comparisons, especially as we're going to share the bread of life. In the wilderness, when Israel was there for 40 years, God fed them every day with manna. There was a manna that came down and it fed them. But Jesus is now the bread of life, the living bread. And everything that the manna signified, we have from Jesus today. We can feast at his table. The first one is this. God provided the bread in the desert. God has provided us an even greater provision. doesn't matter what you're facing. God has provided for you. Jesus, just as the manna was a daily provision, so we need to come daily and feast on Jesus. Every day they could go out into the wilderness and collect the manna. It was there every single day. But they couldn't keep that portion for the next day. It was just for that day. If we're going to make it through the temptations, if we're going to make it with the seed of faith in our lives, let's come daily and feast on Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, I'm talking about reading your Bible. Yes, I'm talking about prayer. But let's use this terminology because it's not about feeling condemned. It's not about feeling that, I have to read my Bible. It's about stepping aside and coming to Jesus. There'll be times that I, I find that I, I follow scriptures, but I'm sorry, that I follow Bible reading plans. And there's times that I, that I just enjoy one whole book of the Bible at a time. There's times when I enjoy God's presence. But make sure that you turn aside and feast on the Lord in this season. If we're going to make it through, we need to know the Word of God. We need the Word of God to, be, to know us. You know, the book of the, of the Bible is incredible. As you read it, it reads you. The more I read and find out about God, the more I understand what God thinks of me, the more I find out about myself. Let's feast on the Word of God in this season. Let's find the time to come aside, and it's daily. It's every day. Just as the manna was gathered in the morning, Jesus wants to meet us in the quiet place. You know, there's a grace in this season to encounter Jesus. I don't know if you felt that, but this week, I've just felt, felt the nearness of God's presence. I've even found myself singing some of those old songs that were playing in meetings when I first encountered Jesus. And it's not even... I wasn't something that I was trying to do because it's spirit-given. God gives, gives it to us. I found myself singing, And my heart burns for you. I mean, these, these songs that are like 30 years old, we haven't sung them at all, but God's just come down this week. And He wants to make Himself so real because He wants us to be prepared for what we're about to face. He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't leave us isolated. He doesn't leave you abandoned. He's coming down to be with you. Let your heart be so turned towards him that when, when you feel his presence, you just say yes. Lord, I'm here to feast on you. Lord, I want to enjoy your presence. Just as the manna was formed after the Jew left, so spending time with Jesus, you will feel the dew of his refreshing upon your life. There is a strength for whatever we're facing. Uh, facing, Just as a portion of manna was kept in the ark, so Jesus wants you to know that as you feast on him, it's as if you too are kept in the ark of God's presence. 
As you feast on his word, you are in the very ark of his presence. He just doesn't live. He doesn't abide. He doesn't um, have priests carry a box around here anymore because we are the ark. We are the place where his glory dwells. And that's not, I'm not saying in any, in any um, derogatory or thinking less of what he the pattern he gave us from the past. But I want you to know that's the reality of what we're living in right now. And there's the final one about that. Just as a portion to a manna, a portion of manna was put in the ark. And every day, if they collected too much manna, the next day, guess what happened to it? It was rotten. The Bible, the Bible is amazing. It's pretty gross sometimes. It says that there were worms in it. I mean, it's bad, isn't it? But there was a portion that was kept in the presence, in the ark, that never rotted, never faded, never went out of date. And I want you to know that as you spend time daily with Jesus, He will sustain you. He will keep you. He will preserve you. It doesn't matter what you're facing, what you're going through. That daily time with Jesus will preserve you. Just as the manna in the ark, when we're in the ark, we say, Jesus, preserve me. Jesus, I don't know what this world might have thrown me today. I don't know all the things that are going to happen, but Jesus, preserve me. Jesus, sustain me. Jesus, keep me. That's this promise that he's going to do for you. And we say yes to that seed of faith, don't we? Just say yes to him this morning. We say, yes, Jesus. We say, yes, Jesus. Our f- forecast for the future is faith, Jesus. We're feasting on you even this week, God. Let me, let me just stay here for one minute longer. The reason there's this grace at the moment to encounter God's presence. There's this grace on us. If you've never set aside a, a secret place, I want to tell you this is the week to do it. I'm, I'm convinced in this, that when you take time, sit, sit your alarm on, turn your phone off, <laughs> lock the door if you have children. <laughs> I've had to do it. Locking me in, by the way, not them in. <laughs> if you make time, he will encounter you. Why? Because I watched um, a message that came out of Chuck's place. And just as Trevor was talking at the start of today, this amazing church in Worthing. We bless you, Drew. We love your church down on the south coast. And they relate to us. We also relate to Chuck Pierce's ministry, Glory of Zion. And one of the things that he was saying about this season is that the king is in the field. Let me explain that to you. It was at this time of year that the kings of Israel, who were normally in palaces, Normally behind guards, normally hard to access, normally around the business that they had to do. It was this time of year because of success, because of peace, because of just the season and harvest that the king would leave the palace and he would come and position himself in the field. And it was that moment that he was accessible to all the people in Israel. They could come and bring him their conflicts. They could come and bring him their questions. They could come and bring him their blessings because he was in the field. He was accessible. That's what we're in right now, a season where God wants you to know he is so accessible for you. That's why I'm telling you, let's cultivate that place at the moment, that secret place. Friends, what's coming, we're not going to get through it until, unless we have that, that um, stake in the ground, in, in heaven's ground of turning up, of showing up, of being with Jesus, of knowing Jesus. And you can see I'm not condemning you. I'm encouraging you. Because that is what God's going to do. And there is such a grace on him. This on, on this season, when you just turn, Jesus is there. When you just turn, he's there. And one of the things as well, I don't know who's watching. I don't know who's in this place, everyone who's in this place this morning. But you might have never even turned to Jesus before. You might not, not have ever even turned to him and given your life to him. And said, Ryan, this is all good. And I know that I need something for the future. But I don't know how to get there. Let me tell you, it's found in Jesus Christ. And you can turn your life over to him. And he will come into your field. He will come into your life. And he will keep you. He will sustain you. He will preserve you. That's who our Jesus is. The final one is this in Philippians 2. Look out. Remember, we're looking at fix your eyes. He says, look out for the interests of others, not just your own. And here's the final thing. If we're going to keep an eternal perspective, it's a servant heart breaks selfish agenda. Serving keeps our focus off of ourselves. Have you ever found that? 
When as soon as, I, the, as soon as anything becomes about you, it becomes temporal. But what serving does is it keeps our eyes upon the eternal. Serving gives us the lens that Jesus had because he was a servant of all. Serving helps us live with eternity in mind. There's a new standard of measurement that has been introduced that makes crosses and trials, as heavy as they are, seem light and momentary. And that standard is eternity. And we step into that when we serve the people around us. The Bible says God opposes the proud but, proud, but gives grace to the humble. Our eternal destiny is discovered as we serve the people in front of us. That's, that's what we do. Let's be a people who serve. You're going through a tough time? So am I, but I can help you through that. I could list so many um, characters and people in the Bible who discovered their destiny by serving. We start with Joseph. He was really good at telling everyone about his dreams, and his dreams were from God, but his dreams were based on him. And he found himself in a pit, and then he found himself in Potiphar's house. And in Potiphar's house, he learned how to serve. He served Potiphar. He served that household. And it, what did it do? It promoted him. Then he found himself in Pharaoh's house, and he served, and he served. And what did he do? He served himself into his very own destiny. If you were to tell someone who was looking for a job, and they, their goal was that they wanted to become the president of a nation or maybe it was the prime minister of a nation they would give you a course a b c d e but if you go to the lord and say lord this is where i think i want to do this is where i think where where i need to be how do i get there he'll say serve it's through serving that we discover our destiny it's through serving that we keep an eternal mindset so even today jesus put a seed of faith in our hearts Thanks for listening. Stay connected, be resourced and equipped by subscribing to our YouTube channel, our podcast channel, and following us on social media at Revival Fires on Instagram and Facebook. If you've been impacted by this ministry, why don't you consider investing and sowing a gift? Visit our website for details on how to give.